You're tuned in to The Rick Z Show. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rick Z, and we have a very special guest in studio today, Miss Hannah Bernier. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I'm really excited to have you here on the show today. I've wanted to get you on the show for a long time. Let's tell our listeners, first off, I've known you your whole life. You're my goddaughter. That has nothing to do with why I'm having you on the show today, because you're a very talented songwriter, and that has a lot to do with it. But we have a lot of ground to cover, and these shows are typically a half hour. We try to keep them to a half hour. First thing I've been very curious about is how young people listen to music. When I was a kid, we would listen to vinyl records, and then eventually 8-track tapes and cassette tapes, and eventually we got our way to CD, and they're pretty much gone now too. But I notice young people, they don't listen to music in the same way that I did when I was a kid. Not just that it's not on vinyl anymore, but I, I listened to my share of singles as well as albums, but albums were where it was at. People would say things like, oh, that was a great last song, or that was a great song to begin side two, or a great song to end side one. Now there's no sides. People have no idea what that means. Songs don't fade out anymore either. Our our songs used to kind of fade out into the distance. Very often they would not stop. They would just keep going and going and fade. And you never hear that nowadays. So the way music's recorded is a little different. But how do you listen to music? Do you listen to music on an iPod still, or is that outdated? You probably hear them on your phone, right? So I listen to all of my music on Apple Music. I pay like a certain amount each month as a student, so I get a discount. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty cool because you you can just put it right through my speaker, my Bluetooth speaker. Do you listen to albums, or do you listen to singles? Both. I can just download, because I have an account through Apple Music, I can just download an entire album on my phone and then listen to it. But sometimes, like, I'll just listen to a single. Is it typical? What do you do more? What Do you, do you listen to more albums or more singles? It, it seems to me more kids today, they listen to singles. I usually download the whole album, and they just kind of listen, listen but, to the songs I like. But you don't listen to them in order, right? Because when I was a kid, it was really the sequence of an album was really important. You would listen to the songs in a specific order. They were put in an order for a certain effect on the listener. That That's pretty much gone, isn't it? I wouldn't necessarily say so. I mean, if we're talking about a musical, for example, Hamilton, you can't really listen to that out of order. So I think that's kind of important to get the whole album and start from song one and just run right through. That's a great example, Hamilton. I love that too. And and it tells a story. Yeah. Well, a lot of artists, when they write an album, it's more or less telling a story. It's not a literal story, but you put things in order for a certain effect. You want this song to be first. You want this song to be second. It's telling somewhat of a story. I still believe in that when I make an album, I still do that. But that's not something very practical anymore because that's not necessarily how people listen to music. You listen to primarily Christian rock music. Is that true? You listen to some secular stuff as well, but is it mostly Christian rock? Um, well, it's what I would call contemporary Christian, so it's, like, pretty much pop songs, like, you would hear on the radio, but it's just, like, you know, faith-based, um, so I really like that. It it would be called Praise and Worship. I also listen to a lot of my country music, so pretty much, yeah, in my car it goes back and forth between me listening to some Christian stuff and then me jamming, you know, to some Luke Bryan and Thomas Rhett. Luke Bryan and Thomas Rhett. Yeah. When I was your age, I would not listen to Christian rock at all. The reason is it was so poorly done at that time because there was no money in Christian rock or Christian contemporary Christian or whatever it was called at the time. And there was no money in that field. 
So it always sounded cheesy. There was no production value to it, all drum machines and keyboards. Now, it was the 80s, so in the 80s you had a lot of that anyway. you know. But Christian rock, nowadays, there's, it's very popular. Yeah. You have all yeah. kinds of budgets and stuff. It doesn't sound any different than any other music. Uh, sometimes I heard, I'm like, this is Christian rock? Yeah, this, is, yeah. this isn't what I remember of Christian rock. My only issue with Christian rock as a listener is I find it a little monotonous. You know, you have, for one thing, you only have one topic you can write about, Christ. <laughs> you know, so it, it isn't really... I mean, that is true. I'm not going to argue with that. It, it isn't terribly diverse. And, and But that's okay. It's for worship, so that doesn't bother me. What does bother me a little bit is these songs are very repetitive. So you have, you know, a verse, and then you have a chorus. Then you have another verse. Then you have five chorus. Then you have another verse, then you have eight there, choruses. There's a reason for that, though. Is it so it's meditative in a way, and you, you can really get into it and get lost in it, and it's conducive for worship? Yeah, well, a lot of times, too, you have to think that these songs necessarily, even though they are on the radio and things like that, they're meant to be like played in like a worship band, essentially. And mm-hmm. the reason why we repeat a lot of stuff is because you get the congregation going, you get them excited, and... Yeah, if there's a line that's, like, super powerful, it's not uncommon to repeat it over Mm -hmm. and over again. So a lot of times I think if it is a recording of it, it might not sound necessary. But also a lot of times these services, you know, I'm thinking of, like, Bethel Music, who's, like, a big church in California. A lot of times they will record their worship and it's all live and it's all spontaneous. So you're getting the recording that was actually, it's played but it was originally recorded live. So that's why it's it's like there's a lot of repetition stuff because that was how the congregation wanted it. You know, they were feeling it from the congregation. Because you got to follow your congregation. So. Sure. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. You know, when you were a little kid, two, three, four years old, I would play music around you all the time, particularly the Beatles. And what kid doesn't love, you know, Yellow Submarine or something <laughs> like that? And you loved it. But I noticed later on in life, by the time you were a teenager and I would say, hey, how about this song or that song or whatever, you you would have no idea what I was talking about. You you didn't remember it anymore because you were so young when you heard it. You know, do you ever venture out and listen to classic rock or listen to the Beatles or listen to the Rolling Stones or something that's a little outside of your comfort zone because it's before 2000? I have a very, uh, a very eclectic list of music on my phone, actually, because I have a lot of stuff. Well, although primarily I listen to like Christian and country i do have a lot of old stuff i have a lot of musicals as well but yeah i have some of the beatles i have some i think the beatles is the is primarily what i'm thinking of as far as the older music but i also have a, a more diverse mm-hmm. uh, selection and occasionally on my phone i'm like yeah sure i have some michael jackson on my phone and okay. things like that um some you know weird parodies of stuff so do you envision a time in your life as a musician and a songwriter where you might venture out into different types of music such as jazz or or even classical or blues. There's so many different forms of music out there. Um, I like some like blues type soulful stuff, like House of the Rising Sun. I really like, and I like singing that too. I don't know necessarily what you categorize that as, um, but I do have even that version on my phone. Um, I have even like The Devil Went Down to Georgia, which is like a very. I have you know I have that on my phone too. So. And, you know, that's, like, very, like, older. That's, like, the original country, so... Yeah, the, well, not exactly. That To you, it might be the original Maybe, country. Maybe, I guess. That, that, that song came out in 1980. See, for me, that's that's old. Right. For yeah. me, 1950s <laughs> is old, you know. 1940s and 50s and 60s, that's a little old. 80s, that's not so old to me. But I, but to yeah. you, that's ancient. I, under, yeah. I understand mm-hmm, that. 
I it understand. Was your that. Heyday. that was your heyday. Um, it so, was your heyday. Oh, it was my heyday. <laughs> <laughs> so, as a songwriter, I always found, I'm talking about me now, I always found that it was the more music that you know, the more helpful it is in your writing. Because there's so many different things that I like. I, I want to bring it all in as a songwriter. I won't necessarily make albums of all of it, but I'll have it on the back shelf. If I need it, if I need to refer to it, if I need a certain song, you know, that's thrash calypso or, or whatever, I, I can find it. I, I want to write it. If it's something that I can relate to, then that's something I want to reflect in my own music. Do you find that with the music that you listen to? You, you want to somewhat emulate the songs that you like? Yeah, that's why, like, I don't listen to any, like, heavy metal stuff, so you'd never find me, like, writing a heavy metal screamo song. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But I think even one of the songs that I, one of my most recent songs I wrote, someone told me it sounds, even though it's a faith-based song, and even though it's more in the long lines of, like, contemporary Christian a lot of people are telling me it sounds a little like bluegrass, but also mixed with that country vibe. So I think it just comes naturally. Like you're going to sing and you're going to write about the things that you like to sing and write sure. about in the style that you want. I think that's one of the cool things about writing too, is you can just, you don't have to sort of live by any expectations as you would if you were to have to cover something. Yeah. Like you make everything up. So I think that's... Well, well said. Well, you are a very musical person, and that's all I care about is that, that you have passion <laughs> for music, and you do, and we've done a lot of stuff, musical stuff together. We, we auditioned yes. for America's Got Talent yes, yes. together. That was a great memory, and lots of musical memories. Very first time you ever performed live was at my gig. Yep. So I have a lot of these great memories, but I'm so proud of the fact that you write songs and that you you perform them, and that you can you, you know you play a little guitar, you play a little keyboard <clears throat> here and there, and I just I just love that creative impulse that you have. I, I would love it if you would grace our show with one of your songs. Would you do that? Yeah, sure. Okay, well, play something for us. So this is a song I wrote called "Completely Drenched." Basically, it just sums up my faith and what I believe in. And it was really cool because a couple months ago, my band leader um, made a rendition of this for the band to sing at church. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. That's great. I can't wait to hear it. Thanks. Oh 
That was wonderful, Hannah. Tell me, how do you write songs? I mean, do you write the lyrics first? Do you write the music first? Every songwriter has their own format. What's yours? I kind of usually write the lyrics and the notes and like the music aspect together usually. Sometimes on occasion, um, I'll get lyrics and then I'll be like, hey, what sounds good note-wise? But a lot of times I get very confused if I do it separate. So I'll just like sit at my piano and be like, hey, this sounds cool. My guitar, this sounds cool. And then I'll just put lyrics and they may make no sense, but then I'll just somehow figure out, keep singing until lyrics work and make sense. Does the idea for the song happen first or do you have a melody and then say, hey, you know what would be great with this melody is this idea? Um, I think it depends. Usually I have ideas for a song first, though. So you've got so many different sides to your personality. I'm sure they all affect your music to one degree or another. Your Christianity certainly informs your music. And how about your job, or I, I should say what you're studying in school? Would you like to tell our listeners what you're up to? Yes. So I am a social work major, um, and I'm almost done, which is super exciting. But I am a huge psychology nerd, so a lot of times when I get free time and I'm not reading a textbook, I will actually write songs or raps to sort of help me understand things or just help others understand things because I just really love the content material. Yeah, and you actually have a Sigmund Freud bobblehead in your car, is that right? (laughs) I do, I do. I have a Sigmund Freud bobblehead. I also have a plush a Sigmund Freud plush, and I have slippers as well. What's a plush? It's, it's like like a, like a stuffed animal, but like a person instead. Okay, like, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. You wrote a book. I want to make mention of yes, this. It's thanks. called Dancing in the Rain. It is. Tell me a little bit about that. So Dancing in the Rain is actually a nonfiction book, and I kind of felt like I just had, you know, like the certain childhood and like went through these certain things in life that I felt might be beneficial for someone else to hear because... You know, you're never alone in life. And my motto has kind of always been like, you know, pain does not go to waste. So I just felt like I have a story and I wanted people to hear it. And although I'm a musician, but part of that is me being a mental health advocate. So I've dedicated a lot of my life these past three years just in advocating for mental health issues and things that maybe people don't talk about too often. So that's sort of the premise of the book. And um, it's been out for a little over two years now. So... Uh, that's excellent, and I've read the book, and I love it, and you, you, you've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, you've done many, many things in your young life already, and I know there's going to be lots more. And you're right, pain doesn't get wasted. It ends up in songs a lot of yes, the time. Yes, absolutely. And that being said, I'm just kind of in the mood to hear something else. So <laughs> you have some recordings that you've made. How have you made them, on the phone? No, I recorded them on my mini 8-track that I have at home. On an 8-track machine? Yeah. We've done a lot of recording in the studio together before as well. Uh, We've gone in and I've kind of showed you a few things, some of your first recording experiences, and that was a lot of fun. All this talk about music, I want to hear more. I want to hear something else that you've done. Yeah, sure. Anything you have in mind? Yeah, there's a couple of stuff on YouTube and things like that. Um, I mean, I have originals. I also have just other stuff of me kind of messing around. And then I have, like, performances and stuff. So whatever you want. I want to hear originals. Okay. <laughs> Let, let's hear an original song. Sure. Okay. We'll, we'll listen to one, and then you can talk a little bit about it. Okay. Perfect. Running away from the past 
that song was called I Won't Hide It Anymore, and that actually, I had performed that at an event that I did at Dutchess Community College, which is where I graduated from, Um, and it was at a mental health awareness event, and I had just gotten done speaking, sharing a little bit of my story and my struggles, and then uh, one of my friends had shared her experiences and her struggles as well. So I actually wrote the song for the event, again, just as an attempt to, like, break the stigma and just recognize that, like, it's okay not to be okay kind of thing. Um, So that was basically the song. Well, I love the song. It's really great. I'm a little biased, but I do like all your songs. (laughs) Thanks. You know, one of the things I I really love about you is you're just ambitious, and you have all these ambitious ideas. I I love that. You had an idea one time, or recently actually, for a psychology (laughs) musical. Is that right? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so someone actually gave me the idea one time. They're like, you know, Hamilton, you're referring to Hamilton, have you ever thought about doing a version, like a psychology version of that? And they were saying it as a joke, but I'm not going to take that as a joke. I'm going to run with that. So yeah, I went home, and I just kind of came up with this premise that all these famous psychologists that we know when we study were if they were all alive at the same time and they'd be like fighting for this one client you know like Freud and Maslow and Carl Rogers and stuff so I did I I have already started putting some songs together and it's combination between like music and singing and also some rapping some rap music I have Freud and Carl Rogers doing a rap battle so, yeah, it's it's pretty diverse. It's pretty fun. Well, it sounds historically accurate, too, because those guys really rapped. Those, <laughs> yeah, gu- those yeah, guys yeah. were big rap stars in their day. I don't know who knows that. or uh, you know, know. Some, some of our younger listeners, these guys were rap artists back yeah, in the day. absolutely. Sigmund Freud was a very famous rapper. Yep, yep. And uh, Carl Jung, I believe, rapped a lot, right? Carl Rogers is the one that does the, there's two Carls, but yeah. There's two Carls. Yeah. Psychology is confusing. I don't know. Well, I love that. I love that about you, that you you, you come up with these crazy ideas, and and they're not really that crazy. I I smell another Lion King. I don't know. I'm trying. I mean, I love the Freud song is called Welcome to the Unconscious, and it's very funny. I mean, it starts off very serious and mysterious, and then it just Freud's like, Welcome to the unconscious. And like, you, like the tap dancers mm-hmm. come out and stuff and it's like scaring the clients. You're so, scaring me right yeah, now. Yeah, well, that's the point. Yeah. That's, that's the point. Right. Well, it's working. Imagine being a client right now, yeah. Right. <laughs> client. Yeah. Well, that's right. Um, you want to accumulate clients, though, not chase them away. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I don't. You think that this musical would be promoting therapeutic intervention, but it, it may. I don't know. It could go the opposite. So. Well, it's proving how necessary it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the lead, the client in the in the show, the song that she opens with is I Need a Shrink, and she just, like, has a frantic break. Funny. Mental breakdown, so. Hannah, you touched on something uh, just a minute ago that I'd like to talk to you about. You rap. You do a little rapping. Yes. Now, where does that, where's your rap influence come from? Is there a lot I, of Christian rap? There is some Christian rap. To be honest with you, I have no idea where it came from. I think a couple of years ago, I just realized I can do some beatboxing. And I think with beatboxing comes along with rapping. You know, I mean, essentially, rapping is just poetry with rhythm. Yep. Um, and I used to do some spoken word, and I think that just evolved into rapping. So I do as... as 
I can't well. imagine Christian rapping. I've never heard Christian. I mean, what what I, what do they rap about? Well, they rap the about Jesus. Jesus yeah, you know? I, I wrote one. I just he wrote sees a song. Jesus when he sneezes. <laughs> I just you know? I just wrote a song. Jesus about... all right with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, would you be willing to rap for us on the show right now? Yeah, sure. Oh, I That'd would love so that. Fun. That would be hysterical. Let's do that. Okay. Yo, my name is Hannah B. I'm gonna rap psychology. Teach you about the theorist so your brain will be the clearest. We'll go through all perspectives. Yeah, we'll travel through the mind. And if you understand them all, an A is what you'll find. Let's start with humanistic. Oh, people are so great. Carl Rogers said that kindness is innate. And then there's Maslow's Pyramid saying what we need until we reach our full potential. We cannot proceed. We must love each other constantly despite our differences. And the client is the one who will make the inferences. Now Freud and Jung, they disagree. It said love is not what clients need. They need to get inside themselves. They need their minds to bleed. Humans are so evil, controlled by the id. The ego tries to protect us like we're all little kids. Our unconscious desires are what make us sad and mad. We don't deserve happiness because innately we're all bad. And let's not forget the way we dream. was so symbolic as they seem. Our deepest fears will be revealed. When it's over, you'll be wheeled out. Free association may seem weird at first, so yes. But hey, did you know that you're afraid of Bigfoot's vest? <laughs> You may have heard of Pavlov, yeah, the name does ring a bell. A bunch of dogs in slobber, conditioning so well. Classical and operant is how behavior is defined, and frankly, some behaviorists are not ethically kind. Oh, when we have our phobias, we need to face our fears. Therapists won't let you leave until you're drenched in tears. Our cognitions affect us too, yeah, they can make us feel so blue. The past is all behind you now, so turn that frown upside down. Cognitive reframing is how we stop our blaming, so just be happy, let it go, and quit your darn complaining. And the next one is Gestalt, where all clients feel at fault. Bring their pain into the here and now. Half of them will not know how. You think you hate your wife? Well, let's bring that dream to life. Don't worry about a thing. Your knees will tell us when they sing. Exaggerating feelings is how pearls promotes healing. One day we will all die. So spread your wings and fly. Now there are many other theories. You can utilize Siri. Therapy is where it's at. So get yourself a Siamese cat and walk on over to the couch. Careful, don't trip. Ouch. It'll be an overwhelming ride. You'll want to run you'll want to hide but therapy is where you'll see that therapy is where you need to be so go call a counselor and go call a cab because without therapy you'll always be a crab <laughs> word yeah all right it was so oh. hard not to laugh oh, all that. that's got to be hard not to laugh i i had to laugh really? a couple of times that is thank you I always loved your lyrics. Your lyrics are always very smart and clever. I like the the Pavlov. Does that ring a bell? And 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 tripping on the couch. Ouch! And it's just just ridiculous. But but absolutely great. I love it. I love it. And you're doing a little beatboxing there too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's not easy to do. It's it's very challenging. My lungs are <laughs> right. You're just getting over the flu, actually. Yes, yes. So it's just a miracle that you even made it into the yeah, studio today. Yeah. We're really happy to have you on the show. This is really exciting. I've wanted to get you on the show for a while now, and sing some songs and do some beatboxing. <laughs> some yeah, that was fun. Speaking of fun, this has been loads of fun. I've really enjoyed this. But now we're going to have to wrap it up. No pun intended. <laughs> But thank you so much for being on the show, Hannah. It's been a true pleasure. I hope you had a good time. 
I had a great time. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. Will you come back and do it again sometime? Of course. Absolutely. You have been listening to The Rick Z Show, produced and engineered by Rusty Johnson. Come on back next week for another exciting episode. We'll see you then, folks.